Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Rum Collective over at Kanya Rum Bar, we were drinking Plantation Rum. Urban and myself were hosting and we tasted the crowd through the Plantation Three Stars, Plantation Barbados Five Year, Plantation Kanya Multi Island. Oh, that's our single barrel. Legendary. And the Kanya Panama Eight Year. So two of our single barrels. It was an amazing tasting. Really check this out. Learn more about Plantation Rum. Be sure to tell your friends about this podcast and please listen responsibly. That means you have to actually have your ears active. But uh, welcome to the Rum Society. Urban and myself are going to talk you guys through and taste through the amazing line of Plantation Rums. Now this is a, a rum that's really dear to the heart of us here at Kanye Rum Bar because we've actually, we bought a single cask. We, how many? We bought two. We bought two. Woo! And we're looking for a Haitian the first now. first one was so good, I forgot about the second one. Yeah, we're going for a third. We're, we're going for a third? We're looking for a third, Okay, yeah. I'll try to be less hungover for that, for that <laughs> one. Um, yeah, we love this rum. I love this brand. Uh, I've always said it. I'll leave Kanye to work for this company. Oh my goodness, um, don't say that. Yeah, one boo, company I will leave this bar yeah. for. Okay, let's take a vote on that. See the selector there. How many people vote no on that one, right? All right, it's unanimous decision. You can't yeah. do that. Um, there hasn't been an opening in five years, so <laughs> still here. Well, right. plant, Plantation Rum is really unique because it's actually, it's a company that's a, a French-owned, a yeah. French company, a French-owned, French company, but they, they buy rums and they do different vintages. They do some blends, but they buy from Jamaica. They buy from Barbados. They buy from Panama. They buy from Trinidad. It's, it's, they choose some of the most exquisite rums available in the world. And often they bring it back to France after it's been initially aged in the Caribbean and then finish it in cognac casks or any rum, experimental casks that they're doing. All kinds of crazy stuff. So the first one that you guys have in front of you is the three-star, uh, Barbados, uh, Trinidad, and Jamaica. Uh, Molasses-based rum. Barbados is pot and column. Trinidad is column, and Jamaica is pot still. Barbados distillery is really unique because in the Caribbean, because there were so many different kind of governing countries during the colonial times, uh, there are different stills being brought out there from different origins. So there were Dutch stills coming out. There mm -hmm. were French stills coming out. And in Barbados, They've got, at that distillery, they've got like five different kinds of stills. Is that right? Do you remember? Well, I've talked to Larry. He, he's just so happy that they opened, or they bought the new distillery in Barbados. So they own now uh, a distillery in Barbados. So that's awesome. Oh, wow. Um, there's four distilleries. So you have Foursquare, uh, Mount Gay. Uh, Jess, if you correct me, what's the third distillery in Barbados? Yeah, Jessica went there. Jessica, do you remember? Where is she? St. Nicholas Abbey. St. Nicholas, Nicholas Abbey. Um, but, yeah, so I can't tell you much about their stills, the new distillery that they have. They don't, we don't know where they're sourcing this rum from. I know just, they're just buying from Barbados. But Barbados has a lot of these older stills, too. There are these stills that they brought over from France and other places mm -hmm. that are totally unique. But there are stills that have been running continuously for 200, 250 years. So it makes for some really old world style spirits. They haven't changed a thing. You go there and like, it's really the same way that they've been doing things for generations. Yeah. 
So molasses base, what's molasses, Pedro? So molasses is a byproduct of the sugar making process. But honestly, they were using molasses to make rum for, for a very long time. And, and at a certain point, they knew that they could make more money off of rum than sugar. So they were making molasses for the purpose of making rum. Um, but essentially, in the, in the production of sugar, you're going to burn a certain amount of that sugar. And for a while in the early sugar making days, I mean, Columbus, Christopher Columbus brought sugarcane to the New World, uh, which, is, which is just a form of grass. It originates in Southeast Asia, India, and China had grass. And, and uh, Alexander the Great's soldiers found this grass when they were invading Southeast, what is now Southeast Asia. But they described it as a grass that yielded honey without the need for bees. And that was what we call sugarcane. But corn is also a form of grass. So the grass is mutated in different ways, but they've been making sugar-based distillates because obviously uh, it is easily accessible to yeast and ferments into alcohol very easily, almost without any human interaction. In fact, you can just take cane juice and in the sun, it'll, it'll turn into wine very, very quickly. So essentially you're making a molasses wine by adding a certain amount of water, like two thirds water, or one third. I, this, this is I'm not being a scientist right now at all, but uh, <laughs> about uh, you need at least about 25% uh, by volume, if I remember correctly, right. to of molasses to water to get it to be accessible for the yeast to turn the sugars into alcohol. Then you then distill the alcohol off of that sugar wine, and you get rum. But it, this is one of the first alcoholic distillates that we have proof of in existence. They were doing it in India. They were doing it in China 5,000 years ago. And there's evidence that even in Mexico and other places, they were doing it with uh, corn and then sugarcane way before there was any kind of colonialism or anything like that. Using the, just the basic clay pots, there was the ability to boil your sugar wine capture it with the lid, and then using just like bamboo or reeds, you could recondense that alcohol steam and create what we have here, which is uh, initially after the first distillation would be low wines. But if you distilled all of that again, it would jump and proof doubled up. And that is essentially rum, the oldest distilled spirit in the world that we know of. Mm -hmm. We tried making molasses last week in-house. It was really easy. It was expensive and yield nothing. Uh, uh, we used three I thought it was cool. I, I thought it was really fun. We actually had to throw the pot away because, uh, yeah, because so it was so burnt. Three uh, quarts of sugar cane uh, juice. Oh yeah, so this is great. Urban went into Thai town and found this place that does uh, fresh pressed cane juice to order yeah and yeah what seriously uh, and it's not cheap so we got like fifty dollars worth of cane juice which is about three liters and then we boiled it right here where i'm standing on a little hot plate and within a couple hours it, it happened very very quickly Two hours. and it smelled very vegetal in here it was like this wonderful smell of like corn and Who's grass been to yoshinoya or ono Korean? i mean the barbecue place 
So it smells like it smells like cabbage and carrots and broccoli. Nobody wants to admit that the new Yoshinoya. She's like, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like that. Those beef bowls are great, though. Oh, no. <laughs> smells funky. Um, very vegetal, broccoli, cabbage. It, it was just yeah. At it first did, it, was it smelled nasty, like boiled. But then I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. It smelled now. really good. It was like boiled vegetables. It was grassy. It was very vegetal. It was very cool. And After then the first hour. And it, it, yeah, and then it started turning into like a little bit more of like a brown sugar vibe, I yes. guess. It got sweeter uh, from vegetable, it turned a little sweet. And we thought it was going to take a long time. Like we started up the boiling like an hour and a half before. Our, we were doing this for our, our staff training here at Kanye to just kind of educate ourselves and learn more about like how rum is made. And then very quickly within the, we thought we were going to need like two so or three hours. Like, we thought we needed like five hours. It took two hours, boiled all the way down. Yeah, and, and then it just turned the corner and it went from being kind of like this brown sugar smell into like, whoa, boom, we've got this brown muck happening. It's like, yeah. you can't even stir it. You know, it was crazy. Uh, the first batch was delicious and we kept it going for another hour and it was just bitter and disgusting. Uh, I, I thought it was great. I, I, I like bitter things. But we, we took little straws and we made little kind of like a treacle lollipops for the staff to test. Just to get that firsthand experience of what it means to cook sugar into molasses. And I guess we were able to try all the different levels of molasses. Oh, yeah. Sweets are very bitter. So at the very beginning, there was what they call in the, in the molasses making pro or the sugar making process, the agua miel, the, the, the honey water. And it was really, really, really delicious. And then it, like within like five minutes, it just turned into something else completely yeah. different. And, and I don't even think we got to the point of what they use in a lot of the rum making process, which would be black strap, black strap molasses, which something is super high sulfur content. I don't even think we got even close got to, that. to that. We got like grade B molasses at the best probably. And we took a little bit and added to uh, white rum and we colored the rum to look like an aged rum yeah. from molasses. So we're just tinkering around in our little laboratory here. And it's a good thing we're recording this thing because probably all of that's totally illegal. No. Sure. <laughs> no, no. We weren't selling it. It was for educational purposes only. Ding. <laughs> all right. So let's nose this rum and taste. So what do you get when you stick your nose in that rum? What food words come to mind or what are you reminded of? Did you not get one, brother? Yeah. Of course. Of okay. Course. So the Bayesian rum is unaged. Trinidad is two to three years. Jamaica... It's weird, unaged, but it has a few drops of a 10-year-old rum. So, yeah, it's, it's very confusing in the rum world because they're all coming from small little countries. There's no overarching governmental body that defines what the rum world has to be, yeah. which is why we're here as the Rum Society. We're here to discover it together. We hope that by educating you guys more that you'll start to demand to know what's in your bottles of rum when you buy them. And if the consumers demand it, the industry will abide. Mm -hmm. And so we, we want to know, like, if there's coloring in it, we want to know. We want to know how old it actually is. In the rum world, there's a lot of solera cask method, meaning vatting of different ages. But they don't have a law as to what the age statement really means. So in the rum world, they can call something, uh, you know, rum 23. If it tastes like it. It, because, yeah, because like Stephanie says, because the master blender, in his or her opinion, they decided that it tasted like a 23-year-old rum. It doesn't mean that there is that that is, there's any 23-year-old rum in it. There might only be a tiny fraction, 
but they, they've judged it to be that age. And that means that they're vatting older rums with younger rums, blending it, and then bottling it. And that's what these guys are doing too, but these guys have a, a French take on it. Yeah. They have all the experience that comes from making brandies. And so they're taking that kind of knowledge of oak and dosage and boissa and did I say that right? I don't I think, think I did. Right. I don't think I did. I think it's, <laughs> someone in France is going boom, <laughs> one thumb way down, schwa schwa schwa. Um, but so we we don't really have a, a clear definition as yet as to what that means. When they say it's ten years, like he's saying it could be a couple drops, and they can say, oh yeah, it's Jamaican ten years. Like it's not really, but really but it's about your experience. To be really clear. So they're an age, but then they drop a few drops. It, it's just. Or maybe it's just an age and a little bit of a 10-year blend. Uh, but let's taste. Are they finishing it in France? Is this one of the ones that they're yes, actually they finishing? And it's uh, filtered too. Oh, okay. So filtration is really popular in the Rome world because to give the appearance of cleanliness. They just like, uh, you know, in, in Cuba during the times of Prohibition, what they were trying to do was establish rum as being something that was really clean. It was great for cocktails. So they started using charcoal filtration. Uh, as a way to take the color out of the rum and make the consumer more attracted to it by making it appear more pure. But uh, you also lose a lot of flavor, in my opinion, when you run it through a charcoal filter. So the French take on those uh, cognac techniques or brandy-making techniques, which dosage, what he's asking about is uh, they can make um, a basically a tincture of, of oak and then use it to kind of dose the spirit to give it a, a sense of more time in the barrel. Uh, Boisse is another form. That's, I said it right this I time. I said it right this time. See, it just, um, the alcohol just needs to calm my brain down. And then I, when I was in their, uh, in their warehouse, their aging warehouse, they had one specific barrel and they handwritten the Esther count on that barrel. And when I asked, they said they were using a little bit of those esters to add in each barrel to help it. Uh, Pedro, why would they add more esters to... So this is something that only Larry has explained to us. They call it the bon effecteur, uh, which is um, French means it makes it better, I guess. A bon benefactor is like, no, but, but the esters, so it's basically a, I would think of it as a, a yeast extract that gives you fruity flavors. So yeasts create esters while they're digesting sugars out of whatever sugary mixture you put them into. Um, and, and they can be localized. So like, say you have a barrel of sugar water, but you have a bunch of pineapples around. The yeasts are gonna be eating the sugars in those wild pineapples, but they're also going to be traveling in the air and getting into your barrel of sugar water. They're going to impart a certain pineappleiness because what they're used to eating is pineapple and coexisting in that kind of pineapple world. I'm shaking my hips right now. It's like, imagine I'm a microorganism having sex with myself. No, I'm just, um, that's how it that's how it goes, guys. That's how you they're not having sex with each other, all right? They're a microorganism, they're single cells. Um, single cell. But they do take on certain characteristics. There's certain fruity esters 
that will come from different yeast strains based on their locality. That is the terroir of yeast. And so they've figured out over time, the French, how to make these kind of yeast extracts that are really specific in terms of what kind of fruity flavors that they can impart. Boom, I'm pulling back the curtain on the wizard right now. It's really crazy, huh? So that is the Bonifacture. And we've been talking about rum for years, and we just stumbled upon this term. We had uh, Alexander Gabriel was standing right where I am now, and he was like, oh, the Bonifacture. He's, he's from France. I'm, like, doing a terrible. Awesome yeah, not so awesome. But And I was like, I've never heard that word before. What did you say? What did you say? And he's like, the Bonifacture. I'm like, what do you mean the benefactor? What the hell does that mean? But no, we discovered it was this, this basically a, a, a tincture of yeast extract that is added to the rum to give it specific fruity characters. Esters are what we define in, in the scientific world. Ester means fruit flavors, essentially. It's what we define on our palate as, as fruity flavors. So bananas, pineapples, guava, uh, watermelon, whatever it is, those can be attributed to certain flavors that different strains of yeast create when they are digesting sugars. But stick your nose in that glass, yeah, you guys. From? What's your experience? Enough talk already. Let's drink. Uh, I get a lot of blueberry. <coughs> so fruity. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What else? So like when if you've never really had a chance to smell or taste distillates before, it's not like smelling wine or beer. You have to take your time with it. If you smell something fruity, try to Try to, for yourself, identify what kind of fruit is it? Is it a melon? Is it a blueberry? Is it a strawberry? Is it a lemon? You know, if it's something sweet, try to think of the gradient of sweetness. Is it, is it uh, powdered sugar or is it maple syrup or is it molasses? You know, like really try to get specific with what it is you think you're getting in, in your, your smell and your taste. And then tap it over your tongue and see how that experience changes. So sometimes your nose will lead you in one direction, and then once you taste it, whoa, this whole wave of experience happens, and it's completely different. Really, really nice. I'm getting a little bit of citrus, and there's a phenolic quality here. So, yes, what do you think about it? Yeah, what are you guys getting? Um, Nose-wise, I think kumquat, like juice, and then pear syrup. Yeah. Like, Something like syrup. Wow, you're amazing. That's awesome. Taste-wise, more of a big Baked pear. Baked pear. Great. What else, you guys? I get that pear. That's really nice. I'm also getting like a little rubberiness, like what I attribute what we call phenolic. The phenolic is, the, yeah, there's this great round mouthfeel, but phenolics are burnt things. So in that process of making the molasses, you're going to get like some sulfury notes. And I get that here. There's a little tiny bit of a, a pleasant rubberiness to it. I'm getting like on the on the nose, it's almost like overripe plums and a little bit of starburst. Oh, that's great. Like candies, and then on the taste, there's a weird, almost crunchiness to it. Like a strange texture for me that I really dig. Like a crispiness? Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like like rice krispies, like like club rice. Okay. That is what's left on my tongue. It's just, I don't know why it's that, but that's what it, what it reminds me. Of. Wow, that's great. And there's no wrong answers because smell and taste is purely subjective. Our our other senses are all hardwired. Your ability to see, hear. Touch, those things are all hardwired to different parts of your cerebrum. But when it comes to smell and taste, those all go through your hippocampus, which involves your memory. So you've created your own kind of 
memory bank of experiences since the time you were born. And that's what you draw from to be able to identify smells and tastes. So everyone's experience is different, which means that there's no wrong answers. It's all about what you know. What's the second mark we're going to do tonight? Uh, Barbados five year. Okay, so do we know what the percentages are of the different uh, rums in this blend? No, but uh, this one's 41.2 percent, if not mistaken. So 84 42 proof, 82 yeah. proof, yeah. proof. So nice, easy sipper. Do you know what this would cost me at my home bar if I was going to put it in there? Oh, thank our you, bottle price is seventeen dollars. Wow! So our bottle price here at the bar is not that different from what you'll actually pay at the liquor store. The liquor stores get the best breaks in the world. Everybody thinks that bars get some kind of incredible break on liquor, but the truth is liquor stores get the best break on the price of booze because they buy cases at a time, whereas bars usually only buy bottles at a time. So what we pay is usually very close to what you'll pay at your liquor store. So rum continues to be the best bargain in the liquor world. $17 for a super easy sipping rum. That's really amazing with mm -hmm. those those pear and kumquat notes. All right, so Kelvin's come around with the second mark now. So stick your nose in the glass. What are you experiencing in this one and how is it different from the first? Oh my, this is totally different. Less harsh. Give me more. I want to know like what foods does it remind you of? I want to salivate. Like less harsh is it, it informs me, but I want I want to I want some senses here. I want to marshmallow. Marshmallow. Banana. What what was that? What did you say? Buttered popcorn. What else? Plantain. Plantain. Beautiful. Is it raw plantain or cooked plantain? Fried plantain. I get that. That's right on. That you just nailed it for me. I was like, totally smells like fried plantain. And so there's other factors besides the distillation that can have a lot of effect on the flavor. There's wild yeast. So what is the source countries for this blend here? I uh, think fermentation, not mistaken, I want to say three to four days, uh, molasses. And it's been aged uh, three to four years in the Caribbean and then one to two years in Cognac, France and French oak. And French oak brings a lot of those deeper notes, not like a bourbon cask. American oak is very different from the European oak. So you're going to get some really dark, like brown butter, black walnuts, some, some deep tannins that come from that European oak. What are you guys getting as you tap it over your tongue? Ooh, buttery. It's really buttery. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. And what were the source countries again for this one? Barbados. Only Barbados. Only Barbados. Oh, wow. S'mores without the chocolate. So graham cracker, marshmallow. I'm getting a little cinnamon too. Yeah, the toasted quality. So that's what I'm getting at when I talk about phenolic. Is like when that marshmallow catches on fire and it gets a little charred. That's the molasses. Yeah, very smooth for sure. Are they charcoal filtering this one at all? No, not at all. So uh, no charcoal filtration. Four-year-old, all from Barbados. Five-year-old. Five-year-old, all from Barbados. Yeah, 40%. Wow, 80 proof, easy sipper. And so 80 proof is something that's very accessible. You can kind of like, this is something that's all around the world. When it's 80 proof, it's not gonna be harsh on the, uh, on the palate, you know? It's something that is kind of 
not going to be cloying to your palate. And if you go to the islands often, people are very respectful of the rum. They don't just shoot it like we do here in America. They'll sip it with water on the side. They'll have a little glass of rum, a little glass of water, and they sip it very slowly and really savor it. And that's why I was judged when I was in the Caribbean drinking rum. You were judged. What happened? I'm bought on the beach. I mean, oh, that's right. We were having fun. So Urban and I were hanging out in Cuba, and we were uh, we had a, a bottle of rum as we were like sauntering down the beach, and they probably thought we were crazy. But in America, you know, we we drink like a shot of rum and a beer or something like that, and like a lot of countries, they think that you, we're total alcoholics. Like, Wait, right off the bat. What's this one called again? The second one that we just tasted through. Plantation Barbados Five Year. Barbados Five Year. Barbados Five Year from Plantation. Okay, what was the rum you were drinking in Cuba? We were uh, drinking mulata. Uh, which M- one? Mulata seven year. Oh, the mulata. Oh yeah, and we also had Matusalem out there and Havana Club, which says the Havana Club in America is different from the Havana Club that's in Cuba. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I was once in, in Honduras and I had uh, I met this this cat named Mafioso, and he was <laughs> he worked on a, a a cane farm, and they would just take fresh pressed cane juice and put it in a glass ju- uh, jug leave it out in the sun, and in like 24 hours, it fermented into a, a really high alcohol sugar wine. And it wasn't, you didn't even distill it, but I, I, I can't even remember what they call it. I think they just called it Kanye. And they drank it, but it would get you like bam, bam. It really got you there quick. What apple, maybe? So what was it called? The what apple? Yeah. Yes. What apple? Cool. All right. So Calvin and Seth passed out the third mark. That's going to be our Kanya multi-island. So that's one of the casts that we purchased. Yeah. So that's Guyana, Barbados, Trinidad, and Jamaica. Uh, aged for 10 years. Uh, American Oak, two years. And Pierfron uh, cask, uh, Konya cask. And then one year and an Aaron. Kiki. Tell, tell me about that. Okay, so yeah, from Aaron Malt. So, but to back it up a little, Pierre Ferrand is like one of the most exquisite cognacs is out there. Not the most expensive, but in my opinion, it's it's it doesn't have the oakiness that a lot of cognacs have. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a lighter bodied cognac and is really exquisite for sipping. But they're combining that French oak cognac cask with a single malt Isla Scotch cask. So there's Isla Scotches, but then there's also the other islands around Scotland, which we call the Isles. It's very very confusing because the Gaelic folks, they they didn't have a lot of variance in their language. So there's the Isle of Isla, and Isla means island. And then there's the other Isles, and Isles also mean islands. So go figure. I don't know. (laughs) But no, there's the Isle of Arran, which is just to the south and east of, of, uh, south and west of Glasgow. And they create a, a really beautiful smoky scotch there. So these guys are buying used peated scotch casks and then finishing this rum in that. So see if you can get at that peat. So peat is basically mud with enough vegetal matter in it that when you dry it out, it'll burn. And it creates a smoke that in Scotland they call it the reek, meaning it, it smells a little bit like manure. It reeks. <laughs> but that's what they do in Scotland when they create whiskey. 
to, to dry the grain, to stop the germination of the malting of the barley and then turn it into whiskey. But see if you can get at some of those smoky notes that might be coming out of that Aaron cask. Anybody getting that? What are you guys getting? I was getting a lot of tobacco. Yep. Oh, interesting. On the taste, at least. Guys, beer. please don't finish this one. Uh, you might want to compare it with our last mark yeah. uh, and oh. see why I purchased this second and why we're doing the other one. First, and, and again, so we bought single casks. And if you don't know what a single cask is, single cask rum refers to, means that we bought an entire barrel and they bottled the entire contents of that single barrel for us just here at this bar. So the only place in the world you can have this rum is here at Kanye in downtown Los Angeles. So this is selected by Urban and his crew just for you guys. So salud. Of six cases left. But save a little bit because we want to compare it to the next barrel. So single barrel rum is the rarest form of rum you'll ever have. Yeah, there's a lot of peatiness on the mouth, on the taste. Yeah, what kind of sweetness? She's a banana cream pie. Banana cream pie, that's brilliant. So we're coming around with the next one. So save a little tiny bit of this wonderful peated Super rare single cask rum, only available here at Kanye Rum Bar. Um, but we're gonna compare it to this next one. So Stephanie and Kelvin are coming around with the fourth mark. What is this one? Uh, this was the first barrel that I chose. Uh, we had a little problem with our higher ups saying yes to this one. I wanted this to be more of an intro rum. Uh, nothing to scare our guests away, something to show them that there's a rum that can be sweet, not overly sweet, but made properly. So this is the Kanya Panama eight year. You guys will love it. It's finished in a red Pinot cask. So red Pinot cask. Mm -hmm. So it has the full grape, the skins, the seeds, the stems, everything in that cask. And they empty it out and refill it with a Panama. So Pinot's kind of like a beautifully dirty wine. It's got kind of a little bit of everything going mm -hmm. on in there. It's really full body. You could definitely smell it in the... So stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. So you're cooling those alcohol vapors over the back of your palate. And then think about food words or not. You can think about colors. You can think about clothing, whatever it is. Whatever you want to do to try to identify better what you're experiencing. This is a community forum. All opinions are welcome here. What are you getting, guys? Blueberry muffin. Blueberry muffin, what else? Nougat? I get something Dunder-esque, uh, real deep down. Okay, so something we just learned about Dunder, too, is that, again, I always thought that Dunder was like referring to like a Dunder pit, meaning that in the old world style of making rum, they were creating bacteriums in these kind of earthen pits to add to the funk, the hogo quality of, of a rum. But we discovered that that dunder is something different. You remember what, it's what yeast. it's just the yeast. Again, it goes back to a specific funkiness that a certain yeast string can create. And the funk, some people really love. I personally love like the agricole rums, uh, some of these rums that are coming out of Mexico, stuff that is really, really funky. And that's not the Cuban style. That's not that clean carbon filtered style of rum that that is something that's more island style and, and traditionally that was a lot a lot of times associated with jamaican rum and personally i love jamaican rum i love that kind of funky cheesy briny 
uh, papaya Pickle, notes. <laughs> papaya notes. I love all that stuff. It's like it's really uh, it's a it's got so much to offer to me. Not for everybody, but you know everyone's taste is different. Mm -hmm. So why I wanted you guys to compare this? This was more of an intro run for me. Our first bottle ever. Barrel. Uh, our first barrel ever. Our yeah. first barrel. Yeah, in eight years. And then my second mark was the multi island. So something to um, please the whiskey drinkers. Um, so now we're looking for a, a run from Haiti. Something more vegetal, something wow. for a tequila drinker. Hell yeah, let's uh, put some money down in Haiti. I'm down with that yes. plan. So that's that's my next move. They've for... been like getting hit hard the last few years. Mm -hmm. Jeez. All right. So tap this over your tongue. What are you guys getting on this final one? And how does it compare? Maybe you can go back and forth. When I do like blind comparatives, I love to like kind of go sip by sip and really get into the differences. Because in the confluence, as you're as you kind of confuse yourself, you actually can discover more. Kind of, so, uh, grapes were a little bit more herbaceous. Herbaceous grapes? Yeah, herbaceous grapes? That's beautiful. I get some grassiness too. You said yeah. dry? Yeah. I think this one's spicy to me too. I like but get I like. It's like I get a little kind of like um, like crushed red chili. Like a tingling. And someone said dry, and dry is like a mouthfeel, like when that oak really like takes over the back of your palate and turns your mouth like kind of really dries it out. Very, very different, these two experiences here. Each bottle is $37 a bottle. So not cheap. So, so if you go $37 a bottle, and if we're going to get 34 cases out of that maybe? about, say, yeah, 40 cases. 40 cases maybe. It depends on how much evaporation, because when you buy a barrel, you don't always know how much is in there. You agree on a price, but it's a gamble. There might be 25 cases, there might be 35 cases in there. Six pass six pack cases, that's a liter. So six liter. Oh, there's 750s. Whoa, not even bar liters. Yeah. So right so now sad. I'm only sitting on I wasn't gonna bring out the fourth mark because we have six cases of it. And we have six to eight cases of the multi-island. So the pan in my ear will stop selling and, and well, uh, it's just gonna be our, our personal stash mm -hmm. in about two weeks. And we're working on new bars around the country, so we want to save those for That's right. We're trying to open Kanye in, in some of the other towns around America. We've got a seven grand in, in San Diego, one in, in Austin, and now we just opened in Denver. So we're hoping to like kind of ride the coattails and be able to open up a, a San Diego location of Kanye Rum Bar. So that would be amazing. What? Miami. Miami. Yeah. Stephanie's like, she's coughing. She wants Miami. <laughs> Cool. All right, I'm with you, love. I'm with you. There What'd you, you say? I'm the mayor of Boynton Beach, so if you want to come to my city. Boynton Beach? Be all right, all right, Thank all you. right. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, Mr. Mayor, let's have a conversation. We're going to be done in about yeah, two minutes. You know, we have a bunch of, uh, you know, Palm Beach County is the rum capital of the United States. Or, I'm sorry, sugar capital of the United States. So we have a bunch of new rum uh, distilleries that are opening up for the past five years. So I'd love to show you guys a tour or something. Right on, man. That Sounds like a sweet place to visit. Ba boom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. That so was a sugar segue I just made. Like, out of uh, all four, what's your favorites? At least yeah. Who's, who, who liked the uh, – what was our first mark again? This is the, the uh, three-star. The three-star. Who liked the three-star the best? All right. Charcoal filtered, easy sipper. Uh, and then we try the 
Five-year Barbados. How many folks like the five-year Barbados? Ooh, a lot of Barbados lovers. Uh, how many folks like the Kanye Rumbar single barrel Aaron cask finish? I, I think that sweet and smoky, pretty mm -hmm. awesome. And then finally was that funky funk. You this was the, the, <laughs> the Panama. I think the Panama is my favorite as well. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. Um, Do you guys have any other questions for us about the, the plantation line? And again, two single barrels purchased by Kanye Rumbar for your enjoyment specifically. What do we... Only question is, when you guys chose the single barrel, they were already done as single barrel? You just chose the barrel? Or did you actually... It was already, it was already done. It was just a sample bottle of what barrel or what uh, line we wanted. So, so there's there was six six different SKUs. We went through all six and we decided Panama and then we went with the multi-island. Uh, they had a Jamaica XO. I wasn't too happy with it. Um, they had a Haiti, which I loved, but the price was just ridiculous. Single barrel programs are really special though because you know we do have the ability to pick out these barrels and it could be sometimes that um, sometimes maybe the master distiller or the master blender doesn't want to use that but ourselves as staff members might really like something something unique some unique characteristic about this barrel and the ability for us to purchase this and bottle it exclusively is what makes it special. Uh, the master blender could potentially say this is not the flavor profile I like for the brand itself. But we as employees, and we have the ability to say, well, we like this for this specific reason. We like it for sipping. We like it for mixing. We like it for whatever reason. So that's what makes Body the lotion. Barrel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what makes the single barrel programs really special. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always really unique stuff. And again, you're not going to get any more rare than something that comes out of a single barrel. They're always kind of like these rare treasures. So they bring us, when we go and do the selections, they'll, they'll bring out barrel samples. Often we'll go, hopefully we get to go to the distilleries, and they'll roll out like maybe 20 barrels. It's usually very early in the morning, and you're hungover from the being night before. In, yeah, they hosted like, you. They hosted you in the city yeah. the night before. And you're in a foreign country, so you're like, hell yeah, I want to enjoy every second of this. And, and then you show up at the distillery and you're dragging your ass in there. And then and when like, you finally got the bottle into the bar, you're hoping that your palate wasn't shit that day. <laughs> but you do get to select from like many different barrels. And then we kind of vote as a crew as to which one we think we should pick. And we always think of you guys. Because we, we might be nerding out and be like, oh, I like the one that tastes like iodine and mint. It's like, yeah. well. So the last time we went to go pick a single barrel for one of our other bars, uh, my coworker and I, we, we just, what we ended up choosing for the single barrel was the barrel that we wanted to keep drinking. There were some that were really funky and really interesting, but we had to think about you guys too, you know? It's just like at the end of the day, we want to pick a barrel and you want to keep drinking. You don't know why, but you just want to keep coming back to that dram, you know? That's so right. that's the most important thing. Yeah, thank you guys for coming out for Rumside tonight. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.